When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours, talking sports with you. Thanks for tuning in uh, here this morning. BMW of Des Moines guest list. Uh, looks like this. We're going to start in about 25 minutes. Our friend Matt Rudy from Golf Digest. A lot of news being made in golf with the uh, new tour that is going to get off the ground. The 54 Tour is what it is. It's a Roman numeral. The oh, okay. LIV. I so it's not it the Live Tour. No, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I thought, yeah. you know what, before I go on the air and sound like even more of a <laughs> dick or, uh, you know, uh, not uh, not prepared, uh-huh. you better t- check it out. So I did, and it's apparently it's the 54 because they're only going to play 54 holes. Oh, that's the reason. I guess. It. Okay. Um, not the most creative. They're spending a lot of money. They didn't yes. do a lot of. Uh, didn't spend a lot of that money on coming up with a name for the tour. But it's. Uh, but it's fifty four. Anyways, Matt Rudy's going to join us. A lot of um, big names, admittedly, um, past their prime, mm-hmm. uh, are going to join the tour. And of course, the uh, the backlash is the Saudi Arabia connection and Khashoggi, et cetera, et cetera. And um, apparently, at the um, the head, of, the head of that country, there's not some real likable people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I won't, we won't get into that part, part of it because we don't go in that area. But um, you can read it for yourself and make draw your own conclusions. But the uh, the league is going to take off. So Matt Rudy's going to join us. And some of the money that's being thrown around, just absolutely astronomical. Uh, he's first. Uh, Brian Walton is going to join us to talk about the Cardinals because, A, we don't talk about them enough. B, they're a legit, here we go again, right? A legitimate contender in the National League Central uh, and a team that's going to be a pain in the you-know-what to teams that uh, in that division and teams that, uh, if it is the Brewers, that will be vying for the uh, three wild card spots. So we're going to talk Cardinals with Brian Walton. The South Point, one of our favorite casinos in Las Vegas. Chris Andrews, one of our favorite guests, who will join us tomorrow on the show. The South Point uh, has come out. Golden Nugget was always first mm-hmm. uh, in the was it late May Trent or early June? Yeah, usually about this early time June, of year, though. Yeah, they would come out with their college football games of the year, and before the, the sports wagering was legalized across the country, you would um, you know somebody's in Vegas and bring you back the sheets, yep. and then you delve dive into them, and that like Christmas morning for some of us. Um, but Chris Andrews in the South Point, they have put. How many games did he say? I don't remember what the exact number was. 60, 70, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. 
uh, a bunch of them. So we'll, we'll um, Trent and I are going to go over some of those. Chris is going to join us tomorrow. And then Bill Bender, more college football. We'll have him opine on some of them as well. Trent's played the day by, uh, sponsored by Circus Sports uh, before we get out of here. So last night in uh, sports, kind of recap them before we move on and discuss some other topics. Uh, the, the hockey game was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lanch now will get... Um, as they sweep the Oilers four straight, that the Western Conference final is theirs. They will get between, I think I saw eight and 11 days off, depending how long the Eastern Conference final goes. So that's significant rust and is going to be a huge talker once we get to game one, uh, of the Stanley Cup. It was a fun game. There was a bunch of goals scored in it in rapid fire fashion in the third quarter, in the third period rather. Um, so a fun game, but the best team won and, uh, they're going to be a significant favorite, whoever comes up. Out of the East. Other than that, uh, baseball last night, the, the local teams, Twins were off, mm-hmm. Cubs were off, Sox were off, Royals played. You had to wait for them to play. Yeah, it rained away. It was. The first pitch was about, oh, nine o'clock, ten minutes after nine. So once the hockey was over, I settled in over there and watched the Blue Jays. Uh, not the whole game, but um, uh, you know, dismantle the Royals, and that's what it's supposed to do when you get a bad team, the worst team in baseball. So other than that, kind of a slow night in sports. You had high school duties last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you see? Dowling Southeast Polk. And Dowling is ranked, right? This, the yeah. Des Moines Registry uh, rankings came out all afternoon, I think, some point yesterday. And Dowling was ranked. Did they win? Yeah. Uh, Dowling took both sides of the doubleheader. They're really good. Uh, top-end talent. And normally with Dowling, you know, they, of course, had Bobler a couple of years ago that's down at TCU now. And now they got his little brother, Trevor, who's an incredible player, too. But they've always had pitching. It's mm-hmm. usually the bats. This team can mash. I think they already have 18 home runs on the year. Really? They had two more in game one last night. They're swinging the bats incredibly well. Johnston, uh, last night, the number one team. They got a sweep against Urbandale, who was ranked number four. No surprise, the Dragons are really good. Urbandale's good. Valley, after a slow start, they're really good. Waukee's ranked number two. Waukee Northwest is ranked number seven. So I'm looking at a different set of rankings then. Uh, so I've got in front of me the... The register rankings. Uh, register rankings, yes. Gotcha. These are from the Coaches Association. Gotcha, okay. The, the ones that uh, I had from yesterday. So, really a lot of talent, as there always is in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about high school sports. Of course, the CIML is great and everything, right? Yep. It, it doesn't matter the sport. But the depth of the CIML in every suburban school, it's incredible. I, it, watching high school baseball as I have now over the last decade plus and calling these games and seeing any more... I mean, if you can't throw in the 80s, really, you can't pitch in the CIM. Wow. We saw like two or three guys a year that could throw in the 80s, and that's at minimum. Yesterday, Dowling went to their bullpen early. Guy came in. He was outstanding. Shut him down for the last six innings. Came in in trouble. Got out of the jam. And, and then Dowling came back and won the second game 8-3. to three. But the amount of depth here. And this is a, a frustration that I always have with the boys in Boone. And it's a difference between we have the two associations, right? We have the girls' union and the Boys Association. And when it comes to the state tournament, so you think of state tournament, getting the eight best teams, basketball, baseball, softball, whatever it is, what do you want to see at the state tournament? For me, I want to see the eight best teams mm-hmm. there. That's what I want to see. That's how the girls do it. In fact, they use their rankings, and that's how they see teams come regional time, regardless of what the sport is. For baseball, they want it to be a state tournament. So all areas of the state yeah. are covered. It's two different ways to do it. You can argue both sides. Mm-hmm. Personally, for me, I want to see the best teams mm-hmm. there. But you see it in baseball every single year. In some of these sub-states where you got two, three, sometimes four of the six teams are maybe state-worthy teams playing up against right. each other just to get to the state tournament. It's not the way that I would put things uh-huh. together, 
but it's the way the boys and boots put it together. But the substates make for some pretty oh, good baseball. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. It's going to be really good again this season. Those will come out here in a couple of weeks. We'll see the six teams that comprise each of the eight substates across the state. I just hope they spread it out a little bit. You know, there's some years where only three teams from the CIML make the state tournament. Six or seven probably should be there. I mean, that's the way that it is, and it's playing out again in baseball this season when you look at those rankings, just how many good teams. Are the Dragons head and shoulders above anybody in baseball this year in high school? Uh, Head and shoulders, probably. You know they're going to be there. Every year. It just... What is it about that community? It's... What they start with. The feeder programs? Yeah. Uh-huh. Coach Bart has done such a good job. Mm-hmm. And Johnson's always been a good job. You go back to when Randy Wee was there and mm-hmm. they went 40-0. It's been a good baseball program. But he has elevated to such a level where you look at the youth programs. And everybody does a good job of it. Urbandale does a great job. But they just do it differently. And they have Little League Night. And I've been out there calling a game in Johnston before. And seeing the kids. And these are their stars. These really? are the, They want to be Peyton yeah, Williams. I got they want to yeah. be... Jack Dreyer. They want to be uh-huh. a dragon. It's not about being a Yankee. It's not about going to play in college. It's about being a Johnston do they sell, dragon. Do they sell gear to the younger oh, set? Oh, absolutely. Do they yeah. really? And, and they're, all, they're all geared up, and they nice. all got their purple and gold. Nice. And they do it at just an incredible level. And the excitement that they create there, the support that they have for that Johnston baseball program, and not only that, they got a great coach. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael Barta, mm-hmm. he could be a lot of different places. Now, we had him on last year, I think. Did yeah. Did not? Yeah. Right, yeah. He could be a lot of different places. He could be a college coach. And, and I think family has a part of that is why he's decided to stay and stay mm-hmm. in the high school ranks. But the way that program is built, the way that they do things, they do things a little bit different. The way they take infield is different than anybody else in the CIML and across the state of Iowa. But the way it's like a college program is really what it is. He does a great job. Do they chirp a little bit? Yeah, they chirp. <laughs> they talk a lot, but they back it up on the field. I wouldn't say head and shoulders above, but... They're kind of their own. You just you don't worry about a letdown you would from be, that program. You would be surprised if they're not in contention once they yes. get to the state. You know, last year they got knocked off in the championship game. Mm-hmm. And PV, Pleasant Valley, hit the ball incredibly well in that game. That's going to happen. It's baseball. It's, it's one and done. But if you're taking a look at the lock to get there, boy, you got to feel like Johnston is as close to it as you're going to get. Well, I was on my walk this morning, and uh, somebody came up to me and said they listened to you last oh, night. Oh, great. So you are... Uh, you are uh, creating an audience. We're talking to people out there that are yes. listening to those games. When's your next one? I'll be out there tomorrow night at Valley as the number one Dragons. Johnston will be in town. So it'll be a top 10 showdown there from the coaches' And you'll get the second half of the doubleheader? Yep. Game two. So we'll take the air at 7 o'clock. Normally, depending on how quickly the first game goes. Uh, last night, replayed our interview with Ryan Fagan because oh, did you good? Yeah. didn't get started until about 7.25. So, yeah, we'll uh, talk a little baseball in the pregame show. If it is a little bit late, go that route and get ready for the game. Johnston are number one and number 10 Valley, who I saw Valley game one this season, my first broadcast of the year. They got 10 run on both sides of mm. the game against Waukee Northwest. Since then, something has been figured out. The bats have opened up in a big way. No surprise with Coach Cooley. Always does a great job. And they're always a team Valley. It seems to start to play their best baseball as the season going on. But they're hitting the ball well. They got a couple of injuries that really, I think, uh, put them behind. Gravin Good, who is a great football player, basketball player, towards ACL and basketball mm. towards the end of the season. He's not available. Uh, Henderson, who's a really good football player also, he had an injury. He's going to try to work his way back, maybe be able to hit. But, yeah, the Tigers are starting to play well. Again, just the depth that we see across Central Iowa. It's incredible. Yeah, it won't be long before we're seeing seven-on-seven seven high school football, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's like weeks. That's coming. Speaking of high school football, 
Another great story last night. Are you going to be on the air, by the way, doing high school? Have we settled on what you're doing for high school? Oh, that's still, I got baseball. You're, you're jumping ahead. Well, I there. just wanted to make sure the Bull's going to carry, because you did. I yeah. Mean, the Bull and, uh, your, and high school football is starting to develop an audience as well. Yes, and we're, uh, we'll work on that and hopefully be able to get a Friday night live game as we did last season over on the Bull, which was certainly great and get to spotlight a lot of these kids. Now, one guy I didn't see last year on the football field was a young man from Des Moines North that commits yesterday. The second time in three years now that Des Moines North will have an Iowa Hawkeye. That's great. What a great story that is. We know about the limitations Mm -hmm. in North. And I saw last week uh, Bill Blank, comedian here in town, he, a North alum, had a fundraising event for the North baseball team. But to see that and to see a young man get an opportunity, getting his teeth kicked in, I mean, every Friday night, but goes over to camp, earns an offer at Iowa, quickly commits right afterwards. Just an incredible story there. You and I are very similar. We like to root for the city schools. Underdogs. We don't have the rooting interest that you're, yeah, but it's always great to see Mm -hmm. something with the city schools, and that was certainly another one last night. Underdogs and whoever Pizzetti's coaching, which we know is (laughs) the Jags now, but, you know, family relationship there with Pizzetti and and, uh, Ryan, of course, Jerry. Um, So let's get get into this uh, 54 golf. Okay. Live golf. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought it was too. Um, you know what? Can you blame him? Mm. It's a lot of money. D- Dustin Johnson got one hundred twenty-five million dollars. Right. Jack Nicholas turned down a hundred million dollars to be the face uh, of this new league. Look, I don't think. Well, I shouldn't say that because it's a lot of money. I don't. For the time being. I find it hard to believe that a young, a, a, a Justin Thomas, a fill-in-the-blank, Spieth, some of these young guns at this point in their career would give up the PGA Tour because at this point, the PGA Tour is on one level and then 54 golf is on another level. I mean, Kevin Na's not moving anybody's needle, right? Yeah. I understand why Ricky Fowler did. Ricky Fowler's struggling to make, he's struggling to get, uh, to earn the opportunity to play. He's playing in a qualifier for the U.S. Open, yeah. trying to qualify for that. And there was a time that I thought Ricky Fowler was going to, you know, be mentioned amongst those young guys we just talked about, the Rory McElroy's of the world. He's uh, there. He's got kids now. He's got a chance to whatever the guarantee is to go over there. And it'd be hard to turn that down. The Dustin Johnson one is so odd to me because this is a guy still playing at an incredibly high level, a guy that is in contention, a guy that you can see every time he tees it up, he's got a chance to win mm-hmm. because he's so talented. Aloof, different, kind of... A dullard? Well, I don't think he's the brightest guy, Trent, yeah. if that's where you're trying to yeah. go. <laughs> Somebody said that they're not sure that Dustin Johnson even realizes that he's playing in a different tour. Not that the it, sharpest knife right, in, in the drawer. That his handlers and his agents just said, you're going to be playing over here for a while, and he just nodded his head and you know picked up his golf clubs and off he went. His net worth, again, some of these places are not right. We have to put this in, of course, you and I, somebody asked us to go do shows over in Saudi Arabia, and we're making that amount of money. Of course. Right. But this is a guy that the net worth is estimated to be $200 million. Yeah. Does, doesn't need the money. What? And at some point, his wife's going to come into a whole lot of money as well when, when the <laughs> mom and dad pass. Yes, exactly. He's married to Gretzky's daughter, by the way, if you don't know. Money is just not the same kind of object. I get it for Kevin Na. I get mm-hmm. it for Ricky Fowler. I do, I, too. I do not understand Louis this. Louis Tyson? I mean, right, yeah, I, he's at the end. Those guys I can get, but Dustin Johnson, at this point in his career to do it, 
And now today to give up your PGA membership yeah, card. he's done. So you're never going to play in the P- You can play in the majors because they don't fall under the PGA right. umbrella. But to never play in a PGA no. event again. Can't play in the Ryder Cup. Can't play in the Players' Championship. Can't play in the Players'. Um, what's the other uh, President's Cup? Can't mm-hmm. play in that. Yeah, big deal. Ryder Cup, kind of meaningful because that's you know red, white, and blue, right? Um, but it's the it's the almighty dollar, and if they're throwing that much money at it, is there anything comparable to this? The USFL, when they came in, they took for the most part. Trent, I might be wrong, and you don't remember because it was it was I was little. Really, this was eighty three, eighty four, eighty yeah. eighty two, somewhere in that area. Right? I was just out of my pampers, right? Um, I don't remember them taking. Stars off NFL rosters. Mm-hmm. They took draft picks that would go on to be stars. Steve Young, uh, Jim Kelly were part of it. Herschel Walker was part of it. Who else was? Um, Doug Flutie was part of Jim it. Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly upset him. Yeah. Uh, but these guys weren't had not begun their NFL careers yet. I don't think that they took. Established NFL stars. If they did, it's a very short list. Yeah. The only thing I can come up with, and it won't move the needle here, is the WHA in hockey, who there was in the 70s, they formed another league, and the um, when it folded, the Jets stayed, Edmonton stayed, Hartford stayed, they became uh, Carolina, and Quebec City stayed, and of course they became the Avalanche. And they took... They took established NHL players. Bobby Hull, Bobby Hull left the Chicago Blackhawks to become a Winnipeg Jet. Signed on the quarter of Portage in Maine for a million dollars. I couldn't believe it. A million dollars, and Bobby Hull's going to play in Winnipeg. But they took some, some um, of the best players in the NHL and paid them to join this league. It's the only thing that's comparable to me. I think of IndyCar when they kind of broke away, and I don't remember the whole structure of that in the mid-90s. That was something. But again, we're talking something that I don't have a whole lot of background in and don't understand. But that was basically a breaking away and kind of forming a new union, if you will, Mm -hmm. in auto racing. And and it impacted certainly the Indy 500 and just all the infighting that was happening at the time. But at that time, it was just over my head. I didn't understand exactly what was happening. Uh But you're right. These kind of... We don't see minor league baseball is going to break away and try to right. form their own and, right. and go out and spend. It's just, it's such a rarity. And to get a face like Dustin Johnson, though, mm-hmm. that's impactful. And you can see if they're going to spend, we'll go out and spend. You got to get a star, right? You got to get somebody. Yep. It can't just be a bunch of journeymen they're going to throw in there in, in a golf tournament because who's going to watch? Yeah. Now, I forgot about this. Ryan Dunn, our buddy from Prairie Meadows, just sent me a text. The World Football League in the 70s. They only lasted like a year, but they broke up. And I forgot all about this. Good job, Ryan Dunn. Um, they broke up the the Miami Dolphins dynasty. They, they took Warfield and Zonka um, for a couple of years. But that, that league never made it either. But I don't, I, I don't recall the word. I remember the USFL. The yeah. World Football League is kind of... Vaguely do, Brian. What's on your mind? Welcome to the program, Brian. Yeah, you were you're accurate. The USFL did not go after existing uh, pro players. The WFL did go after several. Uh, for example, uh, Larry Zonka and Jim Kick. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, did this was this league televised? 
Um, Do you remember? No. If it was, it was on something like Wide World of Sports. Okay. It could be on just about any time. And it never lasted. I mean, the USFL, I think, actually lasted longer, correct? Uh, The USFL lasted uh, basically three or four years. Was that what it was? Yeah, Yeah. three, three seasons. And in the first year, they actually weren't doing that bad. But then it it just a couple of the owners got greedy and mm-hmm. decided they wanted to go up against the NFL. And the other half of the owners are going, guys, this is not smart. Right. It's a losing proposition. Yeah. And yeah, Brian. Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. So I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the wiki page. I'm <laughs> trying to f- guys that we would know. Jim Kick. Larry Zonka, man, but this is back. Craig Morton was with the Cowboys and the Broncos. Remember the quarterback, Craig Morton? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the 1974 All-World Football League Fuqua. team. Frenchie Fuqua. Remember Frenchie? Yeah. Played the, for those Steelers teams? The quarterback was Tony Adams. Yeah, I don't remember him. Curly Culp, Bob, Daryl LaMonica. Remember those names? Yeah. Looking through this All-Football team from that oh, year. Oh, Elsie Greenwood. There's a big name. But we talking what back half of career uh, at the yeah, the yeah back half of the career at the end mm-hmm. not because Kenny, Kenny Stabler went to play in Birmingham. I don't know any of these guys that were all World Football League team in 1974. I don't know any of them. So who's the quarterback the of, of, of the all Tony Adams? Yeah, Randy running Johnson. Ba- running backs were who? Uh, running backs were Tommy, Tommy Reeman and JJ Jennings. Receivers, uh, Tim Delaney. He played for the Hawaiians. Of course he did. Alfred Jenkins. Wow. Your tight about, ends, Ed Marshall and Greg Latta. Who is the coach? Uh, coach of the year. Here's a name that I do know, Jack Pardee. Okay, yeah. So there's one. Yeah. How about, okay, go to the defensive side of the ball. Any superstars over there? How about Jerry Philbin? I think okay. I know Jerry Philbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one. Other than that, Mike McBath. No. Dave Roller. No. Ross Brookbaker. Rudy Kuchenberg. There's a football name for you. Yeah, there is. Miller Farr. No. Nothing. And the kicker was? The kicker was Grant Guthrie. He played for two teams, both the Jacksonville Sharks and the Birmingham Americans. So you have the, do you have the list of teams? Yeah. Run, run them down. Who All had right. a franchise? We, uh, out east, we got four teams, 12 teams overall. The East Division of the World Football League, 1974. The Florida Blazers. The Charlotte Hornets. Mm, how about that? Philadelphia Bell. Okay. Not Bells. No, Bell. Singular. Yeah. Jacksonville Sharks. In the Central, the Memphis Southmen. The Birmingham Americans. The Chicago Fire. Look at Isn't all these. that a soccer team It now? is, yeah. And the Detroit Wheels. Kind of like that one. And finally out west, the Southern California Sun. The Hawaiians. Not the Hawaii Hawaiians. Just the Hawaiians. <laughs> the Portland Storm and the Shreveport Steamer. Boy, Shreveport, you're making trips to Portland, really? Hawaii, and SoCal for your division games? Well, yuck. And conversely, those teams are going to Shreveport? <laughs> At least it's Double only yuck. once. Uh, um, the, uh, Jacksonville and Detroit folded after 14 the games. The WFL was on TV. Watch the Chicago Fire. Abe Gibron was the head coach. So some folks remember it. I don't. No. I don't even think I was in high school then. I wouldn't have got those games in Canada. I would have never saw a World Football League game. But I guess that's comparable. Yeah, that's where we are. I guess. Is this how we're going to talk about it in a couple of years? I don't know, though? but you know, no, yes. Well, that's a lot of money. We'll talk to Matt Rudy next. Miller and Condon, underway on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. 
All right, welcome back, Miller and Con, the Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. You know, let's get right to our friend Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, joins us to preview and to recap all of the majors, Ryder Cup, etc. But uh, we've had a couple of occurrences uh, that we need Matt Rudy's expertise on some of these golf issues that are out there today being no different. Matt, I learned because I cheated and looked that the LIV tour is the 54 tour. It's a Roman numeral, apparently. That's what they're going with. They spent a lot of money on players. Didn't spend a lot of it trying to come up with a name on their tour, apparently. Uh, but here we are. And of course, Phil Mickelson made it official yesterday. Dustin Johnson. Uh, your thoughts on the likelihood that this succeeds? There's a ton of money, obviously. What's, will we be talking about this in two years? Well, I can tell you, I'm actually in the Golf Digest headquarter office here for the first time since before COVID, two and a half years. Wow, how about that? We've been having having meetings. Uh, I literally just, just walked out of one, and I'm going to go into another one here shortly where we're talking about those very things that you're asking. It's it's, it's a couple things. Is it you know Does it survive long-term? And I think they have enough money, certainly, that if they want it to survive, it will. And then what the the impact is and i think the impact comes not just if if it survives it's what it forces the tour the pga tour to do to respond to it and and i think that's going to take the form of increased purses i think it's going to take the form of giving players more say over what they do and don't do so even if the the live tour whatever you want to call it doesn't stick around i think it is going to create long-term change in how we how, how, where, how, and when we see players, you know, what what the televised product looks like, you know, you know, and what the professional game looks like. So, could there come a point where we look back upon this and say, "Boy, Dustin Johnson, we think Tiger, we knew Tiger Woods was good for the game, right? Bringing all those eyeballs, increasing the purchase, uh, the the purses." But might we see this completely different? The way we're looking <laughs> at Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, these guys were heroes. They really changed the game for the better of the PGA players. Well, I, I think I think competition in general is good. I, I think we have a U.S. Open next week, and the point is to see who plays the best to win the trophy. When there's competition with the PGA Tour, everybody who's at the top of the heap and continues to play well can continue to benefit from it. So, I think I think Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson are exploiting the financial system that exists to try to create competition. I don't know that they're the the flag bearers and the heroes in this, in this conversation. They're, they're, uh, they're the ones who are, who are if, if there's money out there to be collected and, and my, you know, I, I think DJ looks at it and says, Hey, I'm, I'm never going to be Tiger Woods. I'm never going to win 15, 20 majors. You know, this is a, this is a money play for me. And I don't really, I'm not on social media. I don't care what people think. I'm going to take the money. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what he's doing. So we have players, including today, Dustin Johnson resigning their membership from the PGA Charles Schwartzel, Louis Osthazen, Sergio Garcia, Brandon Gray, some of the other names that have done it, Kevin Nile, so over the weekend. A, what does that mean? And then you got Phil, who says he plans to keep his PGA Tour lifetime membership. How's that going to play out if he does indeed play here on the Live Tour? Well, I think that there are strategic reasons for both. I think Phil Phil has reached the life membership stage for the Tour, which I think is 30 career wins. If you win 30 times, you're basically exempt hmm. and his argument is since i'm a life member i should be able to do what i want to do the, the other players i think are making strategic decisions to avoid a punishment that could mean being banned in the future i think there are some pension uh issues that they're trying to figure out you know for example if you're kevin na and you play in the live events and and you get suspended can the tour 
ping, you know, can they can they damage your ability to collect the or, or accrue points long term for your pension, which is very lucrative for true players. They have huge pensions. Um, so uh, I think no matter what happens, someone is going to be the guinea pig here and say, I'm going to I'm going to sue the tour because I don't think they can restrain me from playing on a competing tour as long as I'm a member in good standing in other ways. Someone's going to fight that fight. And Phil is a, is a logical one because he, I think he has the least to lose in terms of competitive starts. I don't think Phil Mickelson wants to be somebody who's going to play mm-hmm. 25 regular PGA Tour events ever again. But I think he'd be willing to be the face of that, maybe not a, 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 a public fight, but I think he'd be the face of it in a boardroom somewhere where, there are, where, they, where they try to work out what this is all going to look like. Uh, kind of like the Kurt Flood of baseball type of thing? Like you might, <laughs> right. Right? right. Might, be, might be known as that. I- interesting. Uh, Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, uh, is our guest. Matt, I'm anxious to know that uh, the meetings that you're in, if anybody was able to pinpoint what the high nine-figure uh, amount of money Tiger Woods turned down. That apparently is the number, high nine figures. We know Dustin Johnson got $125 million. Any idea what Tiger Woods turned down? I, I don't have any idea specifically what it is, but I do know that, number one, it's easy to say that Tiger Woods turned something down when Tiger is the most notoriously closed-lipped person. I mean, he doesn't talk about anything. He doesn't talk about what he did or didn't do. So it'd be very easy to come out and say, yeah, we offered him you know, $800 million, and he said no. I mean, mm-hmm. Because Tiger's not going to come out and say what did or didn't happen. So it's easy publicity to say that. I don't have any doubt that whatever the number, and, and again, we don't know what the, what the real, real numbers are short-term and long-term for any of these players, but it wouldn't be surprising if Tiger got the biggest offer out of anybody or the, or the, or the largest perspective offer, but... I like to, it's like with an NFL contract. You want to see what the actual numbers that somebody signed for are and what the real guaranteed Mm -hmm. numbers are, which are different than the total contract number. So I think with both of those players, with with DJ and Phil, for example, I'm sure there is a a number that's in their pocket today. There's a number that is dependent on the number of events that they play in. And then there's a number that gets put in their pocket over the course of two years or three years or whatever the length of the, the contract is. All those are different numbers, and, and whether or not they achieve those full dollars, I think, depends on a few things. I do think the the, the group that's going to win out, there's, there's another subset of players, I'm sure, that are waiting to see what happens here and, and, and how this all unfolds. I think it's going to be better to have more information and, and there's going to be more information out there just after they've even played one of these events to see what the reaction was, to see if some of the, the bad publicity about where the money's coming from kind of blows over. I think there's a lot of people who are waiting, waiting and seeing. And, and when we get to some of the American events on this live tour, I think you're going to see more names. So there's all this money that's being pumped in. I want to watch it. I get excited. I want to see, Where's the the television deal for the Live Tour? I want to see the Centurion Club. I want to see when they play at Rich Harvest Farms in Chicago coming up here in, in a couple of months. I want to see these courses. Can no, I watch it on you television? Want to bet is what you want. Well, that too. Well, I think you're going to be able to watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook. I think okay. the, they're going to be they're going to be streaming. Um, I don't think the broadcast play is the first play. I mean, there's but there was some chatter I saw on, on Twitter. They were making fun of the fact that all of the tournaments have the same name. And the reason they all have the same name is because what the whole point of this is to get you to start saying the name of the tour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this is a, 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 
branding experience right now where they try to, you know, get people familiar. And, and when you have an, an unlimited well of money, I think you just keep, you, you open the, the spigot and you just keep letting it pour out. And I just, good publicity, bad publicity, all this publicity that's coming out, Jack Nicholas saying what he did and didn't do, Tiger saying, you know, t- Tiger getting some offer supposedly, all, all this stuff is, is an, an avalanche of publicity designed to get people to talk about live golf on somewhat equal footing with other professional tours mm-hmm. around the world. And it's hard to argue that they haven't succeeded at that part of it. No doubt. We're, we're talking about it. Players are talking about it. Um, you know, but the, we're talking about it in the context of major championships. And if you know people are going to be able to play in majors or not, we've got players saying that they weighed you know, giving up their Ryder cup future to do it. You know, they are, they are getting, they're winning the, the battle in terms of you know, how people talk about this. Uh, is it a real product? Is, it, is the golf going to be great? Are they going to take it seriously? We're going to find out. I know you've got a meeting. Uh, last thing for you, uh, the Greg Norman, Jack Nicholas bath back and forth is kind of interesting. <laughs> Apparently there's no love lost there, right? What happened between those two? Oh, I, I don't, Greg is not the most popular person in general. I don't think you'd find a lot of long-term people. I mean, Greg, Greg, did things his own way when he played. He has, he has an enormous ego. He was a great player, and he's been a great businessman. So it's it's not really that surprising that he doesn't play as well with others when egos are involved. And, and I think, again, it's in everybody's interest. I mean, Jack Nicholas is getting sued by his own company right. over what did or didn't happen with this live golf stuff. It's, it's in everybody's interest to kind of be chirpy about it and to stick up for their side of it as a golf journalist you know somebody whose kids eat because people want to read and hear about golf i'm thrilled that there's a bunch of people <laughs> arguing about stuff because yeah. i can come on and talk to you every week about it <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week when we preview the u.s open matt rudy golf die just get to your meeting matt thanks for helping us as you always appreciate it talk sure. to you next week you take care matt rudy golf digest uh fascinating really is it is yeah so this is a, this is a pretty big story it's um we'll see so ultimately this turns into more money stays in the pot for the PGA players. For the PGA players. They get a little freedom. Um, you know, I, I kind of asked the question in jest, will these guys be seen as not saviors of the tour? Mm-hmm. The, the tour is going to be fine, but will they have elevated it? Tiger elevated golf. Yeah. There's no denying that. Yeah. Will these guys elevate it for the players? Well, you, I think you put it perfectly, Kurt Flood, and what uh-huh. that turned into for baseball and mm-hmm. baseball players and free agency and what that meant for the players ultimately and. You know, we've laughed and told the stories about our youth, and you just said a little bit earlier, a hockey player making a quarter Bobby million dollars. And, and Kirby Puckett making yes. three was going to ruin sports. Oh, my, my grandpa was apoplectic. He couldn't believe right. that this guy was making $3 million a year to play I'll a kid's game. never forget it. And he loved it. I yeah. listened to every game on the radio, sure. but he just couldn't believe it. Same thing here. And you look at the pools and how much money these guys are making. It's great. But then you kind of you dig in a little bit deeper and you see how much money is being kept by the PGA Tour. Mm. It makes a little bit more sense. It does. Uh, speaking of baseball, Brian Walton will help us on those Cardinals. They are red hot. Cardinal baseball conversation next. Miller and Condon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106. Point- details. <laughs> This is from Dodger Stadium. Is that where it is? I love organ music at baseball games still to this day. 
Uh, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Well, music means we're going to talk a little baseball. Indeed, we are. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. The Cardinals, they are red hot. They uh, begin play today, tied in the loss column with those Milwaukee Brewers. Goldschmidt's on a tear. Some of the youth is coming of age in that organization. Brian joins us. Brian, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Uh, boy, the Cardinals have baseball's attention right now. Brewers, um, boy, if I had the bet right now, as we've been saying this for the last week or so, I think the Cardinals are the best team in the Central as we sit here on the 7th of June. How are you? I'm doing fine, and you know, both teams have had a lot of injuries. Certainly the, the Brewers have missed a couple frontline starters in Peralta and Woodruff, but you know, their offense looks shaky, and unless they go out maybe, you know, in the trade deadline, uh, you know, you question whether they have the power. Of course, the Cardinals have been missing two of their corner outfielders in O'Neill and Carlson, and, and two starters in Flaherty and Stephen Matt. So, you know, both clubs are looking to try to get the full strength here uh, soon. Well, and you know, you mentioned those injuries. You know, it's uh, allowed the Cardinal fan base and uh, baseball fans to see some of this youth that's coming up. I mean, Gorman, uh, Gorman, rather, he's been phenomenal in some of these games. Uh, Don, what's the kid with the hair? Donahue uh, threw out Donovan, yeah, Donovan, 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 rather, yeah, threw out wisdom at the plate the other night. Then, you know, move from right field to second base, so he can play a lot of positions. A lot of young guys in this lineup. You know, and that's what the minor league systems are about, right? To provide major leaguers when uh, when the club needs them. And the Cardinals, you know, in their draft strategy a few years back, uh, switched from more of a, of a pitching focus to hitting focus to try to restock. And so we're seeing some of the benefits of that now with Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Juan Yepes, all guys who came up, you know, through the Cardinals system and are now contributing at the major league level. And like you said, these guys, these rookies have stepped in uh, when there was injuries and some slumps. Uh, you know, of course, Paul DeYoung's still down in AAA. And, you know, they've, they've really kept the Cardinals in it. Paul Goldschmidt, it's Oof. been remarkable. The hit streak came to an end. The on-base uh, streak, though, continues. You think of guys that have long streaks or guys that can beat out an infield single and right. slap it around a little bit. Not a slugger like Paul uh-uh. Goldschmidt, and certainly at this part in his career. What have you seen over the last month-plus out of Goldschmidt and, and putting together an MVP-like season? Well, Goldschmidt's always been a player who has gotten on base, and when he's got on base, uh, has been very successful running. Of course, you know, as you guys get into the 30s, they may they may do that a little bit less. But, mm-hmm. you know, the power that you expect from Paul Goldschmidt was delivered on a consistent basis for the entire month. And, of course, he was named the National League Player of the Month for May, and it wasn't even close. You know, what... I'm looking to see and hoping to see from Paul Goldschmidt is not the Valleys, because in the past he had had periods of a very high performance and then he disappears for weeks at a time. And of course the Cardinals have other players, especially Nolan Arnado, who can, who really basically carried the offense in April. So, you know, you'd like to see both those guys hit on uh, all cylinders for the, for the whole season. That's not realistic, but hopefully Goldschmidt will, will avoid the Valleys that he's seen in the past and, and has that kind of consistent season that would enable him to, you know, potentially, uh, to win an MVP. I had no idea how much of a cub killer Harrison Bader is in particular at Wrigley Field. The numbers that he puts up at Wrigley Field, I mean, that they're Hall of Fame worthy if that's where he happened to be It was fortunate enough to play all his games. What is it about Bader and Wrigley Field? Any idea? I don't know, but you know, he loves to get the ball down and run. And that's what we saw a couple of, diff- you know, a couple of triples, exciting game, you know, game changing kind of plays. And Bader's a guy who certainly is known for his defense, but, uh, he's also among the leaders in the league in stolen bases this year. And so he's finally, you know, using that, the full aspect of his game, not just the, not just the strong defense, but also, you know, he, using his legs. 
Oliver Marmol ejected for the first time. Well, game one. And I, got his money. Yes, he did. He's, he's framing the And it was plate. a terrible call. I mean, it, was. it was awful. It, it was a brutal call. Yep. Marmol getting ejected for the first time. Just the takeaway from that. And we've talked about him a couple of times this year. But his first go around certainly feels like a success to this mm-hmm. point. Yeah, and you know, really, Trent, you know, he's a guy that a lot of folks have said, well, you know, he's a puppet for the front office. He's a young guy, so he's going to do what they tell him to do, you know, as opposed to, say, a Tony La Russa, you know, who has uh, decades of experience. But, you know, he's shown not only that he can handle a lot of players, a lot of injuries, he's done very, very well moving guys around, uh, has made pretty good decisions in terms of his in-game use of his pitchers. Of course, he, he got a couple of guys in, Zach Thompson and Hennessy Cabrera, give him a couple of four innings out of the pen that, that made him look really, really smart. But I would say Oliver Marmol has done a really good job. In fact, I looked at his numbers, and granted, we're talking about 50-some games into his career, but he's like the ninth winningest manager of, of all time in Cardinals history. So you know, he's off to a very, very good start. Uh, Adam Wainwright pitched on Sunday night. Uh, he looks like he's he's got a number of years left in that right arm of his. What's uh, what what what's um? I mean, is he is he obviously he's coming to the end? But do you think that maybe it's not going to get here as soon as some thought it would? You know, that's an interesting question, Ken. I think we'll have to keep watching that. Where Molina, of course, Molina said a lot of things over time, but he's kind of you know said that this is going to be it this for him. It, Wainwright yeah. hasn't said that. And, you know, even though he's a year older, 40, uh, you know, as you've said, he is a pitcher. He knows how to pitch. He doesn't throw 95, but mm-hmm. he gets out. And, you know, as long as he's having fun, as long as he's healthy, and he had that stretch back uh, three, four, five years ago where he wasn't healthy and he was about ready to hang him up. But if he stays healthy and productive, you know, I could see him continuing to play. Now, as soon as he does decide to retire, he's going to move into the broadcast booth, and we're going to, you know, we're yep. going to see him yep. as a commentator for many years to come. I think. You know, you mentioned Molina, and he, he clearly is at the end. We've had this uh, debate uh, between the Trent and I. We both feel he's a Hall of Famer. Yet there's people out there that don't believe that he is. What's the knock on Yadier Molina's career that uh, that some folks think? Yeah, he's a really good player, but you know, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, he's not just Cooperstown worthy. What, what are we missing? I think those people are in the minority. I don't, Molina won't be a first ballot Hall of Famer, right. but I, I don't think he'll. You know, I don't think he'll take ten years to get in by any stretch of the imagination. When you look at the defense, I mean his his defensive stats, his ability. You just look at the the number of team runners that teams did not run against the Cardinals compared to other teams. You know he changes games just defensively. Offensively, obviously, he's not. You know, not going to be a triple, was never a triple crown winner, but he was a credible offensive player and he's got two rings. And so, you know, I, I, and, you know, of course, has played that very, very challenging position for almost as many games as anybody in the history of the game. And, I, you know, the catcher, the wear and tear that catchers take is just unbelievable. And for him to, you know, play into the age 39 is just, is amazing. And I, I think, Molina's going to be a Hall of Famer. I, he, maybe he doesn't have the offensive numbers of a Pudge Rodriguez or a Mike Piazza, but he's a better defensive player, no doubt about it. And you see guys who are defensive leaders, Brooks Robinson, Ozzie Smith, those types of guys do make the Hall of Fame. And Pudge had a little help with those offensive numbers, well, too, yeah. let's be honest. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, Brian, Jack Flaherty. And we've seen him when, him when he's at his best. He's as good as you're going to find mm-hmm. a dominant right-hander, where he is in his rehab, I believe he's making a start coming up this weekend down uh, on the farm. What you can tell us about him and how quickly you believe he's going to join the rotation, how this rehab has gone for him here during the last couple of months. 
Well, the Cardinals were very vague in what they said about his rehab. You know, and anytime you know you're dealing with shoulders, you know, you don't you don't really know for sure what's going to happen. Uh, but you know, he, as you mentioned, he started his rehab. He probably won't be back as quickly as um, as the outfielders O'Neill and Carlson. But the fact that he's pitching in rehab games, uh, he had a first outing three, you know, three perfect innings, double A, uh, looked very very good. And the Cardinals really need Jack Flaherty because they had. You know, their, their rotation has been thin. I think they've, in their last, uh, uh, 17 games where they've gone 12 and 5, they've used eight different starting pitchers. And so, you know, you get past Wainwright and the, and Miles Michaelis and the rotation gets thin. So they really need Flaherty back. And really the, you know, his breakout year, his big year was 2019. And the couple of years since then, he's had injuries and some ineffectiveness. So the Cardinals need Jack Flaherty and Jack Flaherty needs to get back to where he was as well to, you know, establish his value as a free agent down the road in a couple of years. Uh, Brian, I'll get you out of here on this. Of course, five-game set that at Wrigley Field was very entertaining. Uh, Cubs are going through a rebuild. When you watch the Cubs, what did you see uh, in this five-game set? Well, I saw a team that had plenty of fight. I mean, you know, those name those guys aren't necessarily name players uh, around the league, but anytime the Cardinals and the Cubs get together, um, you know, it's fun baseball. Mm-hmm. And you know, if the Cardinals hadn't won those last two games in extra innings, the Cubs could have gone four and one in that right. series. And you know, everybody would have been writing about you know how they're you know how great they're doing. And so you know, I think it's I think it's sad that the Cubs, with the resources that they have, have gone the direction they have. But you know, maybe it'll work out over the long haul. But you know, it's obviously to the Cardinals benefit. Indeed it is. Cardinals and uh, the Rays begin a three-game set. Should be fun. Brian, listen, thanks for joining us. We'll uh, talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, thank you. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton, as we catch up on those red-hot Redbirds. A game out in the loss. No, tied in the loss column. Now you have a game in hand over the Brew Crew. Could be a heck of a race. It is. Potentially a heck of a race. We will come back do something we love to do. We've got point spreads from some of the games of the year. The South Point put those out. College football-wise, we'll start with that. Uh, Bill Benner from the Sporting News on College Football. Trent's plays of the day. Circus Sports sponsors. Hour 2 next. 106.3 K.